0: The universe is testing you. Are you really all in or not? And if you are, you'll come out the other side of that down. You'll be more resilient. You will have learned amazing lessons and the highs will feel higher because you've survived the lows and we need those highs and lows in our life. Like that's what creates a life.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I am your host, Samantha Riley, and today I'm really looking forward to having a conversation around money. Now, I don't know if you know this, but less than 2% of female founders hit $1 million in revenue. And to me, that is just devastating because the reason we all go into business is to create freedom, and money is what gives us freedom. He gives us choice. So not only am I passionate about this conversation, my guest for today is also very passionate about this and is on a mission to change that. So I've invited Tony Bache to the podcast. She's known as the Scale Specialist and she helps established female founders sustainably scale their business with online programs so they can work less and make more. So this is gonna be a great conversation.
0: Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I really appreciate it.
1: This is a topic that I could talk about underwater with marbles in my mouth for three days straight without coming up for air, because this is something that I'm super passionate about. And the reason is, is that one of the things that I hear so much, actually there's two, there's two. One of them is if I could just help one person, then my job here is done. And number two is it's not about the money. And I call BS on both of those. Like if you're really here to make an impact, then helping just one person, like one person is great. I'm not saying it's not, but are you really living to your full potential? And, you know, the second, if we're not making money, then we're not able to make that impact in other ways. So what I'd love to know is what was it that persuaded you or attracted you
0: into this
1: area of work?
0: Yeah, it's it's really funny actually, Sam. I was working in corporate. I was um vice president of business strategy for a, a big corporate multinational Fortune 500 company based in Europe, working out of the US. Like it was a big kind of deal sort of company and I was working for that. And I loved it. Like I wasn't one of those people that was like running away from corporate. This is horrible. That I kept being called towards doing something that had more impact and doing something where there was less bureaucracy and red tape and more actually making a meaningful difference in people's lives. And I actually started off, I created an accidental business where I uh, went on my own journey of kind of healing myself through exercising every day for 365 days And at the end of that, I wrote a blog post about it. Never written a blog before. Haven't written a blog since. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I wrote this one blog post and it went viral. It got picked up by Ariana Huffington's publication Thrive. And all of these people were coming to me and saying like, I want to do this in my life too. I want to kind of do it. And I'd done all of the work to become a coach. And I had done all the self-development work. And I'd done all that stuff. And I had a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. Like I always had these little side hustles on the go. So I was like... I can see an opportunity here. I'm going to start a business. And yeah, it was to help people, but it was also to make money. Mm. And that was really successful. And then everyone was coming to me and saying, well, how do I create a successful course? How do I create a successful membership? How do I create a successful group coaching program? And it kind of grew from there because my life coaching was kind of my personal interest, but my whole background, my whole life, my whole career had been marketing and HR and people and, you know, growing businesses. So it was the perfect experience to take my corporate experience, marry that with my coaching experience, marrying that with my own experience, creating a really successful course and membership to then move into the place of helping other women scale their courses, memberships and group coaching programs.
1: Love that. What I really liked, there was just a small little piece in there that you you glided over so quickly and you said that you want to help people but also make money and i think that there's this thought in a lot of people's head of like i choose one or the other but the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is we can have it both like we're helping people and we're making an impact and we're making money and we're creating freedom and we're having choice like we can have it all absolutely
0: that's essentially what you talk about right absolutely i mean i'm a big believer in we we can have it all and that you know you don't have to feel guilty for Taking money for helping people because it's an exchange of value. And when people, the transformations in the transaction, when people make the decision that they believe in themselves enough to invest in scaling their businesses and to work with you, that's when the transformation happens. And people who pay, pay attention. So if you're just constantly giving everything away for free and being like, do this, do this, do this for free, people aren't fully invested. And so Mm. there's actually, you know, I always say the transformations in the transaction, that's where the magic happens. And yeah, you know, you need to back that up with the substance. You can't just be like, yeah, give me your money and magic happens. Like you have to Mm. back that up with the substance, but half the battle, particularly with women in business is just making that decision that I believe in myself enough to invest in this. And so you absolutely can have it both ways. And the other thing that I'm a massive fan of is, you know, I always say to my husband, like we, we have more than enough, like we're comfortable. We don't need more money for ourselves. But it's like, what can you do with your money? How do you make your money matter? What can you do for other people in your life? What can you do for your parents? What can you do for your kids? You're just talking about your daughter getting married. Like, what can you do for her as she embarks on her new life? What can you do for other people that are less fortunate than you are as well? You know, my husband and I are about to start a charity. We could only do that because of the money we've made, you know, in our business, charging people that have the money and that value that exchange in you know, money for services, that's how we have the money to start this charity so that we can do something really impactful there. That wouldn't happen if we didn't have the money in the first place. So our ability to impact so many more people comes through us making more money. So it's, it's really that meaning that you assign to the money. And if you think it's like dirty and bad, and it's only paying for Lamborghinis and private jets, and that that's not your thing, then you might have a negative association, but if you can actually connect to what you can do with that money and it's something that's meaningful to you, then make it all, make all the money in the world.
1: Yeah, totally. Because you would hear this a lot too people saying, Oh, you know, I just want to be comfortable or I don't need any more. And my question always is Do you think if you made more money, you'd be able to make a bigger difference? You know, because there's people in the world that are just purely motivated by money. And they sort of keep it to themselves. But if you're someone that really does want to make an impact, then, you know, in a different way, then making more money and being able to do something with that, that's just beautiful. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So you work with female founders to help them to hit $1 million in revenue. And something that you and I were talking about before we started recording was the way women serve women differently. Now, we've spoken on this podcast a lot before about the motivators and the way that women do sales and marketing is a little bit different to bro marketers. But you're talking about women specifically serving women differently. Can you sort of go into a little bit about that and what the difference is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess some um, my observations in the the time that I've been in this entrepreneurial world, but I think it's, you know, as you start to break down the layers and look at elsewhere in the world as well, you see that it's kind of everywhere. We've kind of been built on this very male-centric foundation of how to do sales and how to do marketing. And it's very different. It's very much about a transaction. You know, I put out, you know, do you want to get this freebie or do you want to buy this thing? And you say yes or no. And if you say yes, you come into my world. And if you say no, I never speak to you again. It's like, I don't care. Whereas, you know, women don't like to buy that way. Like if we think about a retail environment, women tend to, not everyone, I'm not a massive shopping fan, but in general, if we're doing generalizations, like women look at shopping as an event, like I need to go shopping. So they'll plan out in their week when they're going to go shopping. And then they might think about ahead of time of what stores they're going to go to. And then they go to the stores and they touch and feel all the fabrics and they interact with the sales assistant and they enjoy that process. Men are like, oh, crap, I need a new shirt. I'll pull in on the way home from work. And they go to the first store and they're like, that shirt will do. The sales assistant says, can I help you? They're like, no, I'm good. And then they just get the shirt and the shirt probably looks terrible. Might not even fit, but that's kind of... (laughs) If we're being general, like we're putting people Uh, in uh, pockets, that's how women shop. That's how men shop. And it's the same online. Like women need to have more time for consideration. Women need to feel a connection. Women don't believe in themselves as much as men. You know, there's so many studies that show that there's so much more imposter syndrome. There's so much more, you know, holding back than men. But yet we expect them to make decisions in split seconds. And we think if we just create some scarcity and urgency, it'll scare them into buying, but the reality is that's not enough. Like we need to actually help them believe in themselves more throughout that process. So we need to help understand what do they need to know? What do they need to believe before they can buy from us? And so I think, you know, I'm really passionate about educating that there's a different way to sell and there's a different way to market. And a lot of it is based on our brew marketer friends foundations, but it's taking it to another level. Like there's a lot of sales psychology in what our brew marketer friends teach, but unfortunately it's for the bros. Uh And so it's taking that and thinking about, well, how does that apply to women? And I'm just a big passionate believer. Like you said at the beginning, you know, less than 2% of women are hitting a million dollars in their business. 88% of women are not getting to $100,000 in their business. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. But there's this massive gap. And trust me, I know a lot of damn smart women with really good ideas and all they need to do is to get it out there in the world a little bit more. And if we could help more of these women with their message, making sales feels less slimy, less bro-y and more authentic and easeful and enable them to show up as themselves and serve other women, then they're going to help those other women find more belief in themselves and then those other women can show up and we can create this whole multiplying effect of, you know, women helping women not take over the world. We need the men too, but that that are actually able to create a more nurturing, loving, fulfilling society for everybody. And so that's why I'm really passionate about that.
1: Mm, I really love that. And I love the way that you painted that picture of shopping because that's definitely... And I know you said it's very general, but that's definitely what I've experienced in my world with men that have been in my world and also also myself. And I think it's really important to, to note that there is that difference, because even if we bring human design into it, there are people that are not designed to make decisions in split seconds. They're meant to, you know, the emotional authority, they're meant to ride the emotional wave or You know, our reflectors are meant to really wait a lunar cycle. And the problem is, is if we use traditional scarcity to try and get these people to buy, even if they do buy, they're going to have buyer's remorse. They're going to feel uneasy. They're going to potentially be, you know, uncomfortable on coaching calls. They might be really sending a lot of emails to your team because they're, you know, on edge so people need to have or to be able to purchase in a way that feels
0: authentic to them
1: so that everything goes as you said more easily
0: i couldn't agree more and i think that's kind of the missing thing you know we've kind of been taught to go for this high volume low hanging fruit as opposed to like let's have some quality connection conversations and you know this sounds like hard work. It's not because you don't have to do it this individualistic, but it's like tailoring an experience for each customer. So what does that customer journey look like for each person? Now, the thing is when you deal with pretty much the same people, it means 80% of your people follow a similar customer journey. So if you can map that out, makes it super easy and, you know, really, you know, really easy to track that journey, but it feels really individual to them. And that's what makes a massive difference is that like feeling of, you know, I fit in, that person cares about me, this is the right thing for me. Because like you said, if they have that belief, they're all in. And if they show up all in, they're going to get results. If they don't show up all in, they're going to never fully commit and always be on the edge and never get that success. And I think we also force a lot of women to give up in business because they use these strategies that 99% of the market is telling them to use And then it doesn't work and it feels really hard and it feels like they're trying to stick a square peg in a round hole and it feels like they're pushing, you know, what uphill. And it's like, then they're like, this isn't for me. I don't like selling. I don't like marketing. I just, I'll just go back and get a job in corporate because that's, that's easier. Like I'm not cut out for selling. I'm not cut out for running my own business. It's like, no, no, you're not cut out for running your business the way that everyone's trying to conform and tell you to run your business in that way. If you can find what feels authentic to you and what connects with your customers, you will succeed. And that doesn't have to be any of these icky strategies, but people are just led to believe that's the only way to do it. And then they give up.
1: Mm, This is so, so important, this conversation, because I was just chatting to a client last week. We were talking about something that was happening in her business. And I said, well, there's a few different ways this could work. It could work this way or it could work this way. We started to unpack it all. And she said, Sam, that is why I love working with you, because the other coaches that I'd worked with before, they were like, well, there's this one way, and that's the way you have to do it. But the thing is, and I am so glad that I went into business in the early 90s before social media, because I didn't know, and I'm gonna put this in air quotes, I didn't know there was a proper way to start a business. So I just did what I felt like or what felt right. And that's the thing. There are definite principles, there are definitely strategies, but we're all unique human beings and depending on how we even feel in a certain day depends how that could go and that we need to understand and give ourselves the flexibility to understand there are multiple ways to do absolutely everything
0: I could not agree more I'm always a big fan of saying like there are no rules in business and there's no cookie cutter approach there's no one size fits all and and I tell you When my clients do the best and even people that aren't my clients that I speak to, but when they have the most successful launches or they they're like, you know, just making sales like crazy, it's usually because they've done something that intuitively they were told this is what I should do and they just go for it. Mm. And I think unfortunately, you know, in the early days of my entrepreneurial career, I also didn't really know what I was doing. And I think that naivety is actually a real power sometimes because You go and learn all of these strategies and then all of a sudden you doubt anything that you feel like aligns with you. And you're like, oh, no, I should, you know, this person said that you have to do this webinar this way. So I'm going to do this webinar this way because my way that I was thinking of doing it clearly doesn't work. And it's like, well, actually, let's look at how you were thinking of doing it. Maybe there's a few tactics from this that we could take and layer into what you're doing, because we know from a sales psychology perspective that helps us improve sales and help people make decisions. But ultimately, you can do it your way. But people give up on that and they think, no, no, I have to do it Mm. this way. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It feels hard. It does. And not
1: only that, it's that taps into, you know, a lower self-worth, fear, not backing yourself, all the things that you were talking about earlier. And as entrepreneurs, those feelings that come in rob us of so many opportunities that when we're feeling good about ourselves that we can take so i want to tap into those beliefs a little bit more and talk about the roller coaster of entrepreneurship because every single one of us feel the roller coaster like if there's anyone that tells you that they are not on the roller coaster please run really really fast away from that person because entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and I don't know this for a fact but i feel and maybe it is just because i'm a woman that sometimes it can affect us a little bit more because we get really invested in the emotions and the and the feelings what are some of the you know i guess let's call them tactics or strategies maybe practices that you implement for yourself and your clients to help move through that roller coaster and not kamikaze off and say "Nah, i'm out
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know what, Sam? These all sound so ridiculously simple, but I think it's like acknowledging that it is a roller coaster and there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. And, you know, I always say, like, I'm not a massive woo-woo person. I'm I love all my woo-woo friends, but I'm, you know, I've come from a very corporate, you know, scientific background, right? So there's a hint of woo because I think everyone's got it, but I'm not super woo-woo. But one thing I believe at my core is that the universe throws us these challenges to ask, how serious are you about really this entrepreneur gig? Because mm. I feel like there's so many people that are not fully invested and they've still got one foot in, one foot out. They're always like, oh, I could go back to corporate if I need to, or, you know, I could do this if I needed to. And they, they kind of have this safety net behind them all of the time. So they think oh, when that roller coaster hits the low, they're like, well, clearly I'm not cut out for it. I'm just going to go back to this, whatever else, or I'll just give up, or I'll just pivot, or I'll just do this, or I'll just do do that. And so I think a big part of it is acknowledging that the universe is testing you. Are you really all in or not? And if you are, you'll come out the other side of that down. You'll be more resilient. You will have learned amazing lessons and the highs will feel higher because you've survived the lows. And we need those highs and lows in our life. Like that's what creates a life. If our life was like, oh, once upon a time, everything went magically perfect and nothing bad ever happened to the end. It would be like a really freaking boring story, right? So we need this contrast in our life, because if we never feel lows, how do we feel highs? Everything would just feel like, meh, like just the same. Everything would just feel uh, you know, along the same plane. So we need those highs and lows. So the strategy is just acknowledging that that's what entrepreneurial life's going to be like. And if you want to experience the highest highs, you've got to experience the lowest lows. And just having that belief in yourself that when the times tough like that's normal everybody's going through this like you said anyone that tells you they're not is absolutely full of crap and so yeah. you know it's normal it's okay reach out ask for help get through it regroup you know go again and and it'll be a rinse and repeat cycle of that for the rest of your entrepreneurial career because as your business grows you know new level new devil mm. like every single time and so you know Bigger businesses create bigger problems in a good way. We want to have big problems. We want to, because that means we're growing. That means we're thriving. And if we're not growing, if we're not outside of our comfort zone, if we're not experiencing this discomfort that feels like maybe we should give up, we're probably not doing it right. We're probably not working hard enough. So it sounds stupid, but it's really just acknowledging it. And it's the same as the whole imposter syndrome, because I think that that's when women are like, oh, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And I don't know what i'm doing anyway and you know that all of those voices get in your head there's no cure like unfortunately the scientists out there haven't found a magical pill that treats imposter syndrome yet it's just like mm. acknowledging we all get it anyone again who tells you oh no i'm totally confident all the time like nothing ever rattles me is full of it uh-huh and so it's just acknowledging like this is normal i'm gonna feel these times of doubt But I've got to, you know, just live with it beside me and be like, okay, it is what it is. This is going to feel uncomfortable, but I'm just going to have to keep taking the action every single day. Because if I sit here in my procrastination, which is a great way to deal with Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is to procrastinate Mm -hmm. or say, oh, I've got to get it perfect. That's a great tactic as well. It doesn't work. We've just got to keep moving forward because progress is way better than perfection every day of the week. So we've just got to live with it, acknowledge it and keep moving forward. And the more you move forward and you see that momentum come, the more you'll realize, actually, you know what? Like, I can do this. I can do this. It's that momentum that helps you see it. There's no, you can't read your way out of imposter syndrome or think your way out of imposter syndrome. The only thing you can do is just take action.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it's also worthwhile acknowledging what it is that you personally need to move through that. For me personally, I have to, be able to speak it out with people. I'm not so I'm not an internal processor, so when something happens, if I stay in my head, that's the real downward spiral. You know, in COVID when we were in lockdown, that was the hardest time for me because I didn't have that that one-on-one connection with people to actually go, "Oh my goodness, I've had a crap week this week and talk to my inner circle about it and have that connection." You know, and there's other people that they don't need those people around them, and they they deal with things in different ways. So I think it's really important to acknowledge and you know collect the data, like collect the data. How do I do the best so that then you can amplify that?
0: Absolutely. And I always think success leaves clues. So if what's worked for you in the past will work for you again in the future. So if it works for you talking through it with somebody, then you know that's what you need to do. If it works for you sitting down and making a list, then you know that's what you need to do. Like there's not. I don't know. I wish I had some magical, special like formula, but it's, it's really simple. And I think part of our problem as women is that we overcomplicate a lot of these things and think, <laughs> oh gosh, like, you know, I better go read 10 books on imposter syndrome to figure out how to get over it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. going to happen. Let's just simplify it. Like, you know, it's uh, if we just break it down to its simplest form, it is what it is. We all get it. So let's just keep moving forward. Totally. And I think that
1: asking, you know, why, is probably one of the most disempowering things as well. Like you don't necessarily need to know why. It's just like, okay, it's happened. Let's move through that.
0: And nothing makes sense in the moment. Like, you know, I remember back in my early personal development days and you know, it was like Tony Robbins and it's like everything happens for a reason and there's a lesson in everything. And some of the things that have happened in my life, I'm like, what's the freaking lesson in this? But then, you know, fast forward two, three years, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see the lesson now, but you can never see it at Mm. the time. So you can't make the decision at the time. Like I always say, you know, you need to make decisions from scars, not wounds or scabs. Yes. Like, because if you're still wounded or it's still scabbing over, like you haven't really got the full perspective, you've got to wait till it's scarred and then you've got the full perspective and you can understand why things happened or make decisions from that point. But So many of us make the decisions when it's still raw, when we're still bleeding out, we make decisions from there and that's never the right time to make a decision.
1: Mm, Love that so much. Now, you were talking before about being all in and I think this is something that is frightening for some people to be all in because when we go all in, there is a lot of vulnerability in that because we're taking all of us all in and you and i were having a conversation about kind of what's happening in the world you know we've been through a few years of COVID. you know people are you know a little bit we're different to what we were back in 2019 there's these things that have changed us and changed the way we're thinking and we're also you know going into a recession you know economic turbulent times what i'd love to know from you is how do we balance this going all in and not allow this let's call it energy or narrative to come into our world like what are some of the ways that we can really continue to go all in
0: yeah look i think for me Recession's a fact, right? Like there's economic factors that say we're in a recession or we're not. That's a fact. So I'm not going to be like, oh, we're not in a recession. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking to this like shiny happy hat that it doesn't happen. Like that's not realistic. It's there really is a recession. But I think it's like your belief in what that means for you. Like at the beginning of COVID, everyone was like, oh, I'm going to lose my business and I'm going to lose everything. And not everybody, but a lot of businesses thrived and never did better than what they did during COVID. And I think we've got that same opportunity during the recession. You know, so many businesses actually thrive and do better during recessions, but it all comes down to us, you know, having that strong mindset to believe, no, I'm going to be fine. Because if you buy into the news narrative of like, everything's crashing and the world's falling energetically, that's what you start to believe. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a conscious thing or not, subconsciously, you start to believe that. But also the way that your brain works, you've got this little thing at the back of your head called your reticular activation system. It's like the size of your little pinky finger. And that filters all of the information. And how it works is it, it filters through millions of pieces, probably billions of pieces of information a day. And it only brings the ones to the top of your head that they think is important. So that's why you're in a busy room. Somebody says, Sam, and you're like looking around all of a sudden because your brain, your reticular activation system is looking for that piece of information. Same as you get a new car, all of a sudden everyone's got the new car. It wasn't because you were cool and everyone copied you. It's because they were always there, but now your brain's looking for it. So it's the same with the recession. If you start to buy into this negative narrative and it's going to happen to me and, you know, people are going to cancel and I'm going to lose business and this and this and this and this and this then that's what your brain's going to be looking for information to reaffirm and revalidate that. And so then that's all you're going to see because your brain's going to be filtering everything that validates to you that this is a recession and it's bad and everyone's going to cancel. That's all you're going to see because that's how your brain's wired to work. So I think for me, it's very much about, you know, switching off to the news. Like I don't Mm. look at any mainstream news ever. Sometimes stuff comes through on my phone. You know, I've got like some kind of You know something comes through instagram or facebook or something else but other than that i don't see any news and i don't seek it out either and i also when people are telling me about this that and the other i'm like you know but that could happen at any time like how can our business thrive throughout this recession and i think that's for me i'm always like i don't even use the word recession (laughs) like i know it exists but i'm like i just keep going well how can my business thrive how can i serve more people if there's going to be hard times economically how can I help more women not have such hard times economically? If we're going to have job losses, how can I help more women start their businesses? If we're going to have businesses having less people buy, how can I help them, you know, stand out and be the one that people are still buying from or pivot? Like that's how my brain works is going into like the solution mode of how we can have the opposite and avoiding buying into that narrative because I want my brain only looking for positive opportunities of how I can win and succeed during turbulent times. And I think you know, if everybody has that same mindset, I think we'll be in a really positive place. The media loves talking about dark, dangerous, horrible stuff because it sells papers. It sells, it gets viewers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it doesn't, you know, if everything's happy and glorious, like there's nothing to sell. So their whole media narrative behind it actually creates more of it. So we just need to be like, I'm boycotting that. I acknowledge that there's something going on. If we look at the The budgets and the the spreadsheets behind the scenes of the world's economy. I acknowledge that that's happening, but there is plenty of opportunity for me to still thrive and there's plenty of opportunity for me to still serve and help other people serve and you'll be fine. I think
1: it's really important to remember that as coaches, we do what we do because we have a servant's heart. We love to serve. And right now, there's a lot of people in the world that are feeling not you know, full of clarity. They're feeling a little bit of overwhelm or you, like you said, they may you know, have lost their job or whatever it is. So this is the perfect time for us to really step up and help more people as, as other people are, you know, being consumed, I guess, by that narrative that's going around.
0: I couldn't agree more. And there's going to be a lot of fear mongering and there's going to be a lot of people that are telling you like, oh, well, you know, the doom and gloom is coming and all of this. And you can, And not just in the media, but other people are going to latch on to that story and you can do that. Or you can look at, well, how could I serve people? Like, and I always think, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? For most of us, we live in a very privileged world. Like it's highly unlikely we're going to be living in a cardboard box and eating cat food, right? Like there's plenty of things that are going to happen before that. There's plenty of safety nets that are in place to help us. So if we just go out with a really like good heart that's, you know, trying to serve people, like you said, and doing the best that we can do to change other people's lives for the better. Like, it can't really go wrong. It can't really be that bad.
1: Yeah, totally. I remember someone, and we're talking years and years and years ago, and I was working with a coach at the time. And, you know, we can get caught in these really disempowering thoughts that come randomly out of nowhere. And I remember her asking me one time, like, well, what's the worst that can happen? And I remember saying, Well, the worst thing that could happen is i could lose everything and she went and then what and i went oh yeah okay i just make it all back again exactly and the second that the power was out of that i was like oh all good again
0: but i had really got caught in the power of what if what if what if what if that's it and that's the thing i think there is always more money to be made like always every single day of the week there is more money to be made but you can't get time back so you know time's a finite resource money is an infinite resource so You know, you just have to make sure you're spending your time doing what you love, doing the things that really fulfill you, doing what you feel like you were put on this earth to do. Because if you spend your life trapped in a job you hate doing it because of the fear of not having enough money, like that's not really living, that's just existing. So I think you've got to push yourself out of the comfort zone and do the things that you've always wanted to do because you can make money doing literally anything. Like people, I mean, you go and Google some of the crazy things people do to make money. There's ways to make money in every day of the week, but you don't get back the time that you've wasted on this earth doing unfulfilling things because you're worried about the what-ifs. Totally. In a recession, money
1: just doesn't go down, you know, get flushed down the toilet and get lost forever. Like it's still out there. So, it's just a, a wealth redistribution activity that we're going through. So it's always there. And, you know, if a, a billionaire lost their money overnight, the stats show that they would actually, you know, get that back super fast and probably more than what they had in the first place. So it's it's definitely a time to really keep your head in the game, be surrounded by the right people, you know, and do all the things in your life that you need to make sure that you're showing up in a positive way.
0: Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Sam. Like it's about who you surround yourself with. Like, I mean, you're all listening to this podcast right now. So you're in Sam's world, lean into her world further. Like she's an amazing, positive woman. That's going to give it to you straight and tell you exactly what you need to do in this period. So if you're not working with her like that now's the time like don't sit back and think oh wait for the recession to be over I'll wait for this I'll be. like it's going to be too late like you need to lean into that community and have the people around you that are going to help you make the smart decisions to move forward.
1: Mm, love this conversation. Tony for people that want to stay connected with you how can they you know find you online and go into your world I guess?
0: Yeah for sure I look I'm um I'm pretty much a hermit out there in the social world. You can, <laughs> you can always connect with me on Instagram. I love making deep connections with people. For me, it's um, not just about posting for the sake of it, but it's about actually connecting with people and making a meaningful difference in their life. So feel free to hit me up anytime over on Insta. It's just Tony Bache, my name. And of course, the link
1: will be in the show notes over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. I do want to, before we wrap it up, just dive into that a little bit further because right at the beginning you were talking about females doing business a little bit differently and wanting that deeper connection. But of course we can't create sustainable businesses with monthly recurring revenue and groups when we're building connections one by one by one. So how do you help women or what are your tips around being able to form
0: those deep connections with people, but on a, in a more leveraged way? I'm all about the leverage, baby. I mean, I think that's the only way to run your business. But I think what I've learned is like, I really know who my people are. And my people are all, you know, different, unique snowflakes who I love, but they're all also the same in terms of they have the same problems, the same challenges, the same aspirations. And so, you know, by understanding one person really intimately, I actually understand 80% of my people. So I speak into that one person's problems, that one person's aspirations. And that's what I coach my clients to do as well is really get to know their people and speak into them as if they're one, but speak to the multipliers. And I think as well, you know, there's lots of different ways you can have different sales funnels you can have and all of this different thing, but it's about Understanding that customer journey and understanding all of the touch points that they would need to experience to make an informed buying decision as to whether or not they want to work with you. And if you understand all of those touch points, all of those decision points, and you can map out a strategy that aligns with that, you'll be fine. Like you'll be able to sell to multiples and multiples and multiples. And I've got plenty of clients that sell just from sales pages to thousands and thousands of people every single month. But it's because the way that they write their copy, it connects. The way that they show up on socials, it connects. The way that they, yeah, build relationships in a group capacity, it connects. You know, there's always someone that's the life of the party. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can still be the person that's remembered at the party. And that's kind of what it's all about.
1: Mm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Tony, thank you so much for coming and riffing here with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure.